Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And uh, we also have our baby here, so you might hear her, you know, our third co-host. Yes, if you hear any cooing in the background, it's almost certainly our daughter. Or crying. Yeah. (laughs) Although, this is a pretty good episode, so if you're crying, it's probably the baby. Yeah, yeah. This episode... Okay, so this is a good episode. Mm -hmm. This episode being, of course... That 70s episode, a very timely reference to the then-current sitcom That 70s Show. Is it just me, or do the best episodes of this show have the worst titles? Uh, See, you say that now, but the episode where Phoebe loses her baby is called, do you remember what it's called? No. Womb Raider. Oh, okay. I was thinking the best episode, the generally acknowledged to be best episode of this show, Mm -hmm. is Morality Bites. A Reality Bites reference? Hey, kids, who remembers (laughs) the movie Reality Bites about how hard it is to be Gen X? I was going to say, it's a movie about Gen Xers, and as you know, all memory of Gen X has been (laughs) surgically removed from all culture, so no, no one remembers Reality Bites. But it's so hard to be Ethan Hawke with everyone throwing him money all the time, and and adults just don't understand how hard it is to be pulling down $75,000 a year for rolling your eyes and being dismissive at people and having sex with Phoebe Cates. Wasn't it Renona Ryder? Possibly. Probably. I don't know. It's been a while. See, Winona Ryder, thanks to the excising of Gen X from everyone's memory, the whole, like, thing where she had a breakdown and she was shoplifting, that also got excised from everyone's memory, so she gets to still be famous. Yeah. I mean, she's just the girl from Beetlejuice and the mom from Stranger Things. That's so depressing. She's so many other things. She was, like, every Gen Xer's imaginary dream girlfriend. Hmm. Meanwhile, when was the last time anyone thought about Phoebe Cates? Yeah. Well, okay, wait, no. I was thinking about Gremlins the other day. Like, Mm. yesterday. So I was thinking about her yesterday. I was thinking about Gremlins, and I was thinking about that really weird sequence in Gremlins where she tells the story about why she doesn't believe in Santa Claus. It's disturbing, if you're unfamiliar with it. Maybe check it out, but it's disturbing. See... Maybe it's just because I was into bad movies, thanks in no small part to MST3K, but uh, it just makes me think of, I think it was Bill Goldberg. Uh-huh. There is a Christmas-themed horror movie called Santa's Sleigh that has almost a direct parody of that scene with the love interest's girlfriend, and they're both so, like, dark and kind of out of nowhere. Well, at least in a horror movie, it makes sense. A horror parody. Yes. So... I think the point that I was circling around, though, was maybe just every episode of Charmed has a terrible title. I think that's the point I was circling around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even when the episodes are good, or, or as you suggested, especially when the episodes are good. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's strange about this episode, though, is I, I enjoyed it. It's very good. But it's funny, when we were talking about it and I was really excited about watching it, I was thinking of a different episode. I wasn't thinking about this episode. I was thinking about the Go-Go Boots Grands episode. And you were excited about that? That episode is wild! Okay, so I heard a theory that that episode was originally written for, you know, their mom and not for Grams. Well, it makes sense because this episode takes place in the 70s and Grams is played by the same actress who plays her 
as an older woman. Right. But then the episode I'm talking about takes place 10 years prior and she's played by like a 20 year old woman. And she's supposed to already have an adult daughter by that point or adult-ish teenage daughter. The years between 1965 and 1970 were rough for grabs. That's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> this episode was written by Cheryl J. Anderson Stand by of Early Charmed. Yes. And it was directed by Richard Denault. Mm-hmm. These two, as a team, previously wrote and directed The Witch is Back. Oh, the episode where the girls call Melinda Warren forward in time. Yeah. So, like, Honest- mythology time travel episodes. It's a very niche specialty. Honestly, you know what this kind of feels like? This kind of feels like they were like, let's do the episode we did, but better. I was thought you were going to say, let's do the episode we did, but backwards. Also that. So let's get into the episode. Yeah, let's get into it. So the episode opens with Prue, Phoebe, and Piper going through their photo albums, which I wonder if that's just not going to be a thing because, you know, everything's online now. So I am really afraid of losing my my pictures for that reason mm-hmm. so every year at the end of the year i put together and then order from you know an online printing company the fish one right they're not paying us yeah. <laughs> note that i called them the fish one yes yes uh so i will In- if you want to pay us we'll just insert your uh photo yeah. printing <laughs> company here they're all the same yeah see the kind of great advertising reads you could get from us <laughs> order from the fish one they're basically all the same (laughs) yeah no but i try to put together a photo album you know of the year at the end of the year every year so that i have something in physical form Mm -hmm. because i don't trust you know digital archives and stuff that's fair i've noticed some of my material has been disappearing off tumblr apropos of nothing like, it's not even stuff that's getting flagged for, like, inappropriateness, because they're supposed to tell you before they remove that, but... Yeah, the whole digital thing, it's its a nightmare. Which is one of the things, when people are like, oh, nothing's ever really lost on the internet, it's like... Yeah, it absolutely <sighs> is. But my point is, I guess, kids won't have giant boxes of photos to go through, but they may have, you know, a single photo album. A much better looking single photo album now that we don't have to i guess you just threw out the pictures that didn't work yeah i have memories of this I, i've been through my fair share of photo albums hmm i wonder if that's going to be the time freeze for this episode Ooh. so time freeze is going to work interestingly in a time travel based episode oh i actually want to talk about that but uh, at the end of the episode so Phoebe is sad because looking through the album, there aren't a lot of pictures of her with their mother because, you know, their mother died when she was like four. Uh, I, I was going to say because Grams took them with her to the uh, power plant. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Poor Grams having to give up her dream job at the bowling alley when <laughs> Phoebe was born. So Phoebe does come across a picture of her with her mother when she was, when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, it's her mother and not... Her, because remember, in a previous episode, in a home video, their mother was played by Alyssa Milano. Okay, the sub-purpose of this episode seems to be retconning out the episode where we met their dad entirely. Oh, yeah. Because their mother is not played by Alyssa Milano in it, 
And also, this this episode confirms that Hollowell is their mother's maiden name, and that their father is Victor Bennett. Yes, and of course, in that episode, he was Victor Hollowell. Mm. Also, I know we're going to get into it, but I love how fully formed Grams enters the show. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, I mean, of course she is, because Grams is just Endora. Yes, which... Comes through really clear in this episode. Oh, yeah, it does. So Phoebe's bummed out because there are no pictures of her with her mom, who is not herself. They hide her mom for a weirdly long time. No, no, I mean, you you see her. I, I don't think they're hiding her. I mean, they show the picture. They don't, like, zoom in on it and give it, like, a lot of weight. But it's not like, it's not like it's weird where she's, you know, behind a pillar or something. It just, it kind of reminds me of the thing in the, uh, oh god, this is going to be a weird pull, but do you remember the live-action Inspector Gadget movie? I do. Starring Madonna's gay ex-husband? Oh, as, oh! As Dr. Claw. Rupert Everett! Yes. I was like, surely you mean Sarah Jessica Parker's husband, Matthew Broderick? Yes, he was technically the star of the movie, as he was Inspector Gadget. Also, Don was in it as Penny, which is a weird thing to think about. Well, really, the place that the movie went wrong is not understanding that Penny is the real... Protagonist of Inspector Gadget. Yes. But yeah, they had to like hide Rupert Everett because you're not supposed to see Dr. Claw. Except one of the first scenes with him, you see his face. And then his face is in shadow for a couple of more scenes. And then you just see him because they paid for Rupert Everett to be in the movie. So it's like, why did you bother putting his face in shadow for those, like, two scenes if you already showed it? So, in the opening credits of Inspector Gadget, the cartoon, not the movie, mm-hmm. there's a sequence uh, at the very end of the credit sequence where Inspector Gadget enters Claw's lair and spins the spinny chair around and you see that the claw that we saw was just setting on the chair, and instead there's a bomb on the chair, and Inspector Gadget's been caught off, and the bomb blows up, and I'm pretty sure the bomb blowing up takes us out of the credits. Mm-hmm. But as a child, I believed that Dr. Claw was an anthropomorphic bomb. Huh. All right. Because you spun the chair around, <laughs> and there it was, there was a bomb. Fair. Fair enough. I mean... He's got propeller blades that come out of his hat. Why can't Dr. Claw be an anthropomorphic bomb? It's not the weirdest thing in the world. And Mario did prep us for anthropomorphic bombs. Exactly. I don't want to go down a, a, an Inspector Gadget hole. rabbit hole here. But also, I just recently saw online a girl playing the Inspector Gadget theme. Like, she did the thing where you film yourself several times to do a... a I think you showed piece. me that. I yeah. did. She was playing the Inspector Gadget theme on eight cellos, and it was amazing. It was like, oh, wow. This is weirdly, I think, the way this theme music was supposed to be heard. How weird is it that for the direct-to-DVD sequel, I mean, I know it's what you do with a direct-to-DVD sequel. Wait, wait. Are you about to tell me? I didn't know. Is there a direct-to-DVD sequel of Inspector Gadget? There is. Okay. Can you guess who replaced Matthew Broderick in that as Inspector Gadget? Oh, oh, give me a second. This might help you out. He's also in Charmed for one episode, which is a season finale for no reason. I got, no. Who is it? French Stewart. Oh my, I was gonna, (laughs) I 
was gonna guess French Stewart, but I forgot the thing where he's the genie. Yeah. Oh God. And how they decided to end a season with French Stewart genie episode. Oh my God. Honestly, though, there there's no guest appearance of French Stewart that will ever top French Stewart in Community. Where he plays a French Stewart impersonator who aged out of it. Yes. Yes. So it's weird. This is a good episode. Why, why are we avoiding talking about it? Why are we spending so much time talking about Inspector Gadget? Right. This isn't welcome to Inspector Gadget. Welcome to Gadget Town. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure his city had a name. Gadgetin. So, anyway, Phoebe is bummed out because she has basically no memories of their mom since she was more or less a baby when their mom died. Mm-hmm. Much like. Uh, Stephanie's crisis in the final season of Fuller House. Mm. Which, <laughs> yes. Which, just timeline-wise, uh, Patty was basically pregnant for, like, two years in a row, right? Yeah, because she had Paige and then she had Phoebe, yeah. Phoebe and then Paige. Right, right yes. Yeah. But, like, Phoebe was a toddler when she died. So, there wasn't a lot of time here. God, sucks to be Patty. I mean, maybe not. Maybe she had easy pregnancies. But, oof, oof. So, meanwhile, Piper is concerned about a thing that she knows is about to happen. They are about to have a gentleman caller. Okay, this is kind of the weird, weak part of the episode. Because they talk about this guy. This is a guy who comes every year to call on Grams. And drop off flowers. And they always have to have an awkward conversation with him, I guess, because Grams didn't want to see him. Okay, no. So the deal is he says that he's delivering flowers on behalf of someone else. But they all gossip about it and are like, oh, there's no someone else asking for a friend. Clearly, he's the one who has a crush on Grams. And it's not that they always have an awkward conversation with him. It's that this year they're dreading having to tell him that she's dead. Mm. And Piper was like, we should have just taped a note to the door that said, Krebs is dead, don't knock. Oh, yeah. What is it? Uh, Don't enter dead inside? Yeah. Don't dead open inside. (laughs) Yes, yes, that one. So. But they they didn't do it in time, so now he's there. So a young gish man with terrible old man makeup. It, yeah, he's like a 20-year-old man in, like, 50-year-old man makeup. And it looks like the kind of makeup you do at in a high school production. Well, I mean, not to immediately go off on a different tangent, but it's exactly like when Andy wore old man makeup in the office to go uh, audition for that acapella version of American Idol. Yes. Where, where they're like, you're clearly a middle-aged man wearing old man makeup. Oh, so he drops the flowers. Which apparently he does every year. Piper freezes time and catches them. And she does this just as the grandfather clock is going off. Mm-hmm. Which allows this guy to be like, ooh, it's noon, but I only heard five chimes. So you must have used time freeze. Even though I would think the better evidence of her using time freeze is the fact that she caught the flowers and they didn't smash on the ground as they apparently do every year yeah i mean clocks can be broken or just not set correctly also it 
did the clock keep going when the time freeze was going? You'd think it the clock did. would also be... It should be... have frozen. Yeah. There's so many things about this sequence that should have been cleaned up. Because... Which, is, again, this is a really good episode, but it feels like all of this kind of stumbles are at the beginning. They really are. This guy is the most awkward guy. I mean, he's the... He's the device to get them to the past, and... He's the weak point of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could have spent another couple of drafts getting the girls into the 70s and avoided this guy altogether. So he... He's a warlock, and he may, it turns out, as he exposits to them before using... He takes a ring out of his pocket, and he starts using his power to kill them. The ring... Also, he shifts out of his old age makeup, which is so... It's such a minor thing. It basically his mustache disappears and he shakes the talcum powder out of his hair. But he's slightly less wrinkled. He looks like he looks like the difference between an Instagram filter and not an Instagram filter. Yeah. So he puts on a ring which he says has been blessed to protect him from their powers and then he starts using his warlock power on them which is making their blood boil until they die. Ooh, gruesome. Yeah, apparently their mom made a deal with him that he wouldn't kill her in exchange for their future powers. And I... Okay, first of all, that's suspect. Secondly, that's not what happened at all. Yeah. Also... But, you know, warlocks lie. That's okay. It just, it bugs me that he shows up every year and is Grams not there or does Grams talk to him? It seems weird that Grams would not have killed this guy up to this point. I think she couldn't kill him. I, I don't know. We 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 found find out later that her big thing was trying to figure out how to undo the power of the ring, which she didn't get done before she died. Mm-hmm. So there was probably a reason she couldn't just kill him. I mean, like, there's lots of other... You could have sealed him into a portrait like that other guy. Well, I mean, even the sisters, who are the charmed ones, can't kill him. They have to go back in time and unbless the ring. Which, seeing as... Grams and Patty were the ones who blessed it in the first place. Kind of calls into question how powerful they are. I mean, I guess Grams' power was enough to seal their powers away. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, so this guy's been coming every year and dropping a vase of flowers, waiting for Piper to freeze time and him to realize that their powers have been unlocked. So so that he can... So he can kill them and take their powers. Instead of just killing patty and grams and taking their powers which are basically the same powers i mean mean, he he, wouldn't get premonitions but he eh. wants that sweet sweet premonition power max if he killed patty when she was pregnant with phoebe would he have gotten that power i believe he would have yes because phoebe is sharing her power with her mother so i think he would have been able to steal both powers Hmm. so he starts using his blood boiling thing on the sisters they start dying until phoebe remembers that she very recently took up kickboxing and just wangs yes. him in the back of the knee. Yes, it's good thing that at least one of the sisters isn't relying on her uh, magic and actually is learning self-defense. Yeah, I I do love the kick. Looks like a tap. Okay, it does. But the thing is, you go down really easy if someone hits you in the back of your knee. Like, it's a reflex thing. Okay. So it does look like a really soft thing, but. Your knee does instantly buckle. Okay. But yes, it does look like a very gentle kick, so I'm assuming they didn't have stunt people that day or something. <laughs> I Who knows? So the girls run upstairs. They flip open the book to look for a spell to protect themselves from the guy. Yeah, the spell specifically says 
you know, let us undo this thing that was done the, with the with the ring. Yeah, so they and, can use their powers against him. And it specifically says, let us go back to when it was begun. Hmm. So any confusion they have after this is just on them not having critical thinking skills. <laughs> like, which is, if you're going to be using the Book of Shadows, you need to read the text a little closer than this. It seems, I mean, they found this spell, like, instantly. They ran upstairs, the guy's like... Three steps behind them, they flip open the book and bam, the spell's right there. Well, remember, the Ghost of Grahams guides them. We we don't know that explicitly yet, but we're going to learn later that the Ghost of Grahams kind of guides them when they're looking for things in the Book of the Shadows. So it makes sense that mm. Grahams would have specifically known exactly what they needed here. Yeah. So they orb away. Yes, this is almost but not quite orbing. It's orbing but with yellow light instead of blue light. And the lights are, I feel like they're kind of thicker and they're like less brighter. of them. Yeah. But yeah, they, they orb away and then they orb back to the same place. And Sh- Shannon Doherty's wearing this like quasi midriff shirt. It's really weird. It's a white t-shirt that doesn't quite come down to the belt of her pants. It doesn't look like it's intentionally a midriff shirt. It just exposes like an inch of skin. It's distracting. Be a midriff shirt or don't. Honestly, this is an issue with women's clothes. Like, I have so many t-shirts that I don't want to be midriff shirts that just, like, rise an inch above. Yeah. And so I own a bunch of bodysuits specifically because I'll put the bodysuit on underneath just so that there's not that awkward inch of flesh. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with flesh. I'll wear a crop top. But, like, what, what's going on here? And, and honestly, like, you can't put this on... Prue or Shannon Doherty or even the costume designers. This is like, what are clothing designers doing to women? Like, what what is happening? So, at first they're like, what happened? We just disappeared and then reappeared in the attic. And then they start realizing, wait, something's up. A, he's not chasing us anymore. And they hear a phone. And not just any phone, an old school rotary dial phone. I do love how... How they're like, okay, someone needs to go investigate this. You know, who who who's going to go out and see what's going on? And Phoebe and Piper just look at each other and then shove Prue out <laughs> the door, which we will see is basically their relationship to the third sister for the rest of the show. Oh, poor Prue slash Paige. So Prue does go out and then she sees down the stairs, Graham's on the telephone and young baby... Prue and Piper running around. I mean, baby, like, six and seven. I'd say possibly younger than that, like, five and six, four and five. But, yes, they have traveled back in time. Something which this show has some major league issues with later, because sometimes it's a very, very easy thing to do, and sometimes it's an impossible thing to do. Look, this is an issue whenever you introduce time travel into any television show. Charmed... Charmed does as well as any other TV show does with time travel. I'd say Charmed does quite a bit worse with time travel. We'll get to the series finale eventually. Or, God forbid, the uh, the Chris storyline. Oh. Although I'm very excited to talk about the Chris storyline. I, I, do, I do want to talk about Chris, it's true. So, instead of our usual 20 minutes of establishing shots of san francisco instead we get 20 minutes of establishing shots of the 70s yeah we see disco we see the gas shortage like uh 
Stock footage of the gas shortage. Platform shoes, Jaws. Okay, so I love... Okay, First of all, we see people standing in line to see Jaws, and then we see a clip from the film Jaws, and then we see a clip from the Mod Squad. <laughs> and I love that it's Jaws because I think this must be intentional. In Back to the Future, Jaws is what they use. Oh, yeah, Jaws 35 or whatever. Yeah. Which, uh, I, have we missed the window on that? Have we missed the window on... Yes, yeah. We have hoverboards, but they're not as exciting as they were in Back to the Future too. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty clear that Biff got the sports almanac mm. in this particular timeline. But don't worry uh, about missing out on the establishing shots of San Francisco, because they're still there too. This is still charmed. <laughs> well, you know, they got to pad out that runtime. Which is weird given how much stuff happens in this episode. The opening feels weirdly truncated. Hmm. Yeah. So, Piper... <laughs> I'm sorry. Just speaking of montages of the 70s. Piper's like, I don't believe her in the 70s. I don't believe it at all. And Prue's like, oh yeah? Look. Look at this montage of other things from the 70s that were just sitting around the attic. She's like, look at this manual typewriter. These eight-track cassettes. This pet rock. Which, by the way, is not actually a pet rock. It's just literally a rock. (laughs) Gramps isn't going to shell out money for a name-brand pet rock. Well, bro, that could be anything. You realize that could come from literally any time period. It's a rock. Also, like, you're in the attic, presumably a lot of this... She says it's stuff we got rid of years ago, but I wouldn't be surprised if I found stuff I thought I got rid of a long time ago in my attic. Yeah. So, Phoebe points out, which I really like, that the Book of Shadows is thinner. And the spell they used to get there is not in the Book of Shadows anymore. Yeah. So, Prue is distressed about the fact that they're stuck back in time. Uh... Phoebe is too, but you know, they're not stuck that far back in time. It's just, just the 70s. Yeah. Just show up, you know, fight what's this bucket when you're in your 40s and your powers are that much stronger. Yeah. That's actually a good plan. Huh. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess they, they don't want to miss out on being young in the go go 90s. It is basically the only time in the last 50 years when it was fun to be young. Uh, it's funny because it's depressing. Yeah. So the first thing that Prue decides that they need to do is get out of the house so that they can safely plan a way to, you know. They need to get out of the house without being seen. Yes. So they can take the next step in order to get forward in time. And this is, this is, I know we were talking about how good this episode is, but this is my running complaint throughout the episode. Talk to Grams. Talk to anyone. They're witches. Grams and Patty are both witches. You can tell them what the deal is. Now, to be fair, they did try to fix that so that that's not a plot hole per se. We hear Grams on the phone with Patty right now, and Patty had a premonition, which is is not her power. So it's weird, but she did have a premonition of three female warlocks attacking her. So... It is going three, three female warlocks stealing the girls. Yes. Not attacking, but stealing the girls. So it is going to be a little difficult for them to just 
come forward and say, hey, it's us. Your daughter's from the future. And to be fair, to be completely fair to Grams, I mean, to be completely fair to them, Grams does not believe that Patty had a premonition. Grams is like, are you sure you just didn't, you know, take the brown acid? What a... You're a witch, Grams. Come on! Also, I just have to point out, next to the telephone is a lava lamp. (sighs) Look, I know it's the 70s, but here's the thing. Grams would not have a lava lamp in her house. I mean, Grams from the Go-Go Boots episode would, because that Grams is basically wearing a spirit Halloween hippie uh, outfit. The whole house is decorated right now like it was decorated in the 1950s. Why would she have a lava lamp sitting there? So, Grams tells her, like, look, just come home. You're clearly going through something. Come home from Buddy's, which I believe is the restaurant she's working at. Yes, she's a, Patty is a waitress right now. Mm-hmm. Because she and Victor have split, so, you know, she needs money. Which, you'd think Grams would be more concerned about. She's living in Grams' house, apparently. Yeah. Why would, why is that an issue? Well, I mean... Oh, you mean you think Grams might be worried about the three warlocks who are going to break into her house? No, I mean, like, I'm assuming that Grams has something to pay for the house. I'm not sure how much of a difference a waitress's salary would make in maintaining this giant, giant house in San Francisco. Well, I assume Patty is saving money to move out into her own place and is Uh, not paying for anything while she's staying with her mom. Okay, that makes more sense. But don't forget... Her mom is Grams. She's not going to want to stay there long term. Yes. So Grams hangs up on Patty because as soon as she realizes that Patty is not taking her advice, she is done with this phone call. And she wanders off, leaving the little girls, the young charmed ones, to use their powers in play. Yes. They're, they're, They're running around like Elsa and Anna. You know, pushing things, freezing things. Yeah. Yeah. And Prue cannot help herself. She runs up and she hugs baby Prue. And they they point out the respective uh, moles on their faces. Yeah, they both have the same mole on the side of their nose. And Oh, I wanted to talk about the mole on the side of their nose. All right. Okay, so it's just a freckle. Like, I wouldn't even say it's a mole. It's a freckle. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Especially because this episode was written by uh, Shell J. Anderson, who is not Constance and Burge, but does tap into, like, real witch stuff. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like this is a reference to the concept of the witch's mark, which was a thing during the witch trials where... Yeah. 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 You would, you know, women who had unusual birthmarks were... Stabbed lots of times with needles. Yeah. Well, if you stuck a needle into the oddly shaped birthmark and the woman didn't feel pain, then she was a witch. Hmm. I used to have I used to have a classic witch's mark, mm-hmm. which was red and shaped like a cloven hoof, wow. and supposedly indicated where the devil had marked me when we made our dark deal. Being an oddly shaped large birthmark, the dermatologist removed it to make sure it wasn't cancerous. It wasn't. It was fine. But, you know. <laughs> so, Prue picks up and hugs her little self and, her and you know, they, they 
both laugh and they point at the respective witches' marks. Which is not a good idea, seeing as Patty had just called Grams and told her that three warlocks were here to abduct the girls. Okay, so Grams shows up and uses her powers to throw them out of the house in the worst CGI. It's terrible. Well, I mean, it's it's basically that thing from 80s movies when someone would get thrown out of a window or off a building. Where they're just lying on a blue screen and waving their arms and legs. That's exactly what it is. As they're photo-imposed, you know, from a fixed-track camera going out the door. It is a terrible shot, but I kind of love it. It's it's kind of glorious in its terribleness. I'll, I'll give you that. Also, like, this damn grams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's protective. Yeah. she's And she's powerful. I like how she just doesn't notice because, you know, when she walks into the room, Prue's like, Grams, don't. And Grams is like, nope, demons be gone. Yeah. She's not going to, she's not going to listen to some warlock, feed her some warlock story. Just, does everyone call her Grams? Is that the thing? Oh, no. But, you know, warlocks are tricksy. She wouldn't put it past a warlock to pretend to be her granddaughter. Mm. Outside, the girls find a newspaper. And Phoebe's like, look, the date on this newspaper is the date that Nicholas the Warlock made the deal with Mom. The spell must have sent us back to the day it happened so we could stop it from happening. You know, like the words of the spell explicitly say. Yes, thank you, Phoebe. (laughs) Yeah, we're all caught up now. (laughs) So, the only way... Piper reaches the conclusion that the only way for them to get back to their time is to circumvent her their their mom making the deal with Nicholas, which Piper reaches that conclusion based on nothing. Like well, to be fair, it's not the case. Yeah, well, okay, that's true. That's true. So it's a leap, but it's a leap that does not pay off at all. Fair. You know what? Fair. Although, I mean, I guess I can see her logic, like if they stop their mom from making the deal with Nicholas, then they'll never cast the spell to go back in time to figure out how to stop Nicholas. Okay. You know what? That's good logic. All right. Oh, you won me over. You win this round, Charmed. So they decide to go find their mom and stop her from making the deal with Nicholas. And Piper's like, the problem is she's on the lookout for three warlocks. And Prue's like, ah, but what if there was only two of us? Because everyone knows warlocks are incapable of separating and contacting you individually. (laughs) So they ask Phoebe if she's okay not seeing their mom. Even though, like, the whole intro to this episode was how sad Phoebe is about never having met her mom. And they're like, it's just, you know, we knew her better, so, eh. And Phoebe's like, look, I came to terms with the fact that I'll never get to know mom a long time ago, even though I was complaining about that literally earlier on in this episode. I mean, Phoebe, can you really miss what you never had? Yeah. So they send Phoebe to the movies where the, while they go to confront their mom at the restaurant she's working at. And the, the movie theater that she goes to is uh, it's across the street from the diner. And we see that it's playing Stepford Wives. Which feels like it should be related to the episode, but isn't. I know, I was trying to stretch and come up with a way that it's related, but you're right, it's not. It's just, it's very prominently displayed above Phoebe, which... I feel like if they had spent a few more minutes, they could have come up with a good 
related movie to stick up there on the marquee. I mean, the 70s was pretty big for witch movies, wasn't it? Well, I mean, I guess Stepford Wives does involve, like, Satanists and deals with the devil. No. It's oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Rosemary. I, well, I'm saying yeah. Stepford Wives, and in my head, I'm seeing Rosemary's Baby. because Which they're... would have been a better thing to put, even. Because they're both based on Ira Levin novels, so in my head, I'm, like, conflating them. Yeah. So... Stepford Wives is about robots. Yes. Also, have you ever read Stepford Wives? I have not. Okay, I just... Do you mind if I go on my little Stepford Wives tangent here? Go for it. Okay, so an interesting thing about Stepford Wives is that it originates from a period before no-fault divorce was the norm. So if you didn't like your wife and you were a monster, you killed her because divorce was not a thing that you were even able to get, that you were able to obtain. In fact, domestic homicide rates dropped drastically when no-fault divorce became the standard in the country. So whenever... You hear anyone talking about, oh, so many divorces nowadays. You can answer confidently, well, it's better than women being murdered. Also, the divorce rates have dropped pretty steadily since. Yeah, because our generation doesn't get married until we're like in our 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Also, fun thing about the Stepford Wives that you wouldn't know if you hadn't read it. Mm -hmm. The deal is, spoilers for the Stepford Wives? Mm. From spoilers for for a novel slash movie from the 1970s i'm honestly surprised it hasn't been rebooted more recently I and mean, the last one was in like 2003 wasn't it yeah but that one was terrible that one was terrible anyway but the deal with the stepford wives is that the women are being replaced with compliant robots mm-hmm. and to kind of make it believable the book mentions that one of the guys who's in on this scheme is a Disney Imagineer. So the women that are replacing the women in Stepford Wives are like Hall of President animatronics. Didn't American Dad have a joke based off of that? Did it? With Buckle? Yes! Yeah! I wonder if they weren't inspired by Stepford Wives. Yeah, it's just a really subtle uh, Stepford Wives reference, which shows up in the weirdest place, like the Stepford Cuckoos from the X-Men comics. Well, I mean, the concept of the Stepford Wives is really iconic, so even even though I feel like most people... I feel like more people know about the Stepford Wives than have read the book or seen the movie. Either mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> oh, either movie. I'm sorry, I just love the naming convention behind the Stepford Cuckoos. What was that? Uh, it's a combination of uh, the Stepford Wives and the Midwich Cuckoos. Oh, I thought you meant their, their individual names. Oh, well, you know the thing about their individual names, right? No, I don't. They're, uh... The Stepford Cuckoos are mutant characters from X-Men. A- X-Men, yeah. Uh, they're an acronym for SPICE. Or it's, uh, it's Sophie, Phoebe, Irma, uh, Celeste, and Esme. Oh, okay. But the thing is, the thing is, like... Like sugar and spice and everything nice? Yeah. The, okay. The thing is, when they were introduced, like, Grant Morris was revealing their names one by one, but there was also another X-Men book going on, written by Chuck Austin at the same time, uh-huh. and he had one of them in it, and he he had named her Mindy, because he's like, well, Grant, Grant hasn't named all of them, and he didn't realize that he was doing a thing. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a running thing that... Uh, or Irma wants to be go- wants to go by Mindy, but no one calls her. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. This was a completely unrelated diversion. 
So they enter the diner and they sit down in the fanciest booth. When their mom suddenly enters in slow-mo, it goes all... Uh, Dreamweaver from Wayne's World? Oh, I was going to go uh, Sixpence None the Richer. She enters the room in slow motion. It's kind of weird because they're her daughters, but I, I get what yeah. I get what's going on. And we have classic Patty actress now. Yes, yes, we finally have a woman playing Patty. So this is this would be our third Patty, right? We have fake Alyssa Milano Patty from the uh, video in the Shapeshifter episode. And we have weird faceless ghost Patty from the Barbus episode. Oh, okay. I forgot about her. I was like, what was the second Patty? Okay. Yep. 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 I I have to give this actress credit. She does a great job with Patty who has, it's kind of hard to describe martyr energy around her. She has, she has ghost mom energy. Like we, uh, in we fact, oh. like we've talked about before how, Patty is venerated in death in ways that Grams is not. Mm-hmm. Where Patty, I guess it's more died before her time. Mm-hmm. But there's sort of, there's a reverence around Patty. And Patty tends to only show up for really, really big events. Whereas Grams, Grams is just there. Grams shows up for filler all the time. We're sick of Grams by the end. I mean, not no, really. No, we can Grams never be great. sick of Grams. Also, Patty changes her look a lot less after death than Grams does. Grams is always dyeing her hair and changing weight, you know, post death. You know what? Well, she's gotta she's gotta look good for all of her dead husbands. God. Patty comes to take their order as they're sitting down in this fancy booth, and I mean, it's not fancy. It just looks super comfy. It it looks nice. It looks this is this looks like a pretty upscale diner. Honestly, not like super upscale, but like this is a fancier diner. Yeah. And she comes to take their order and there's this weird like jokey thing where Piper calls Prue Prue and Patty's like, Prue? Yeah, right? And then Prue's like, no, she meant prunes. Do you have prunes? Because, you know... Two people in the entire world can't both be named Prue. Okay. And then Piper starts trying to freeze the room so that Patty will know that they're good witches because good witches don't freeze. Although, I mean, I I guess it tracks. If there was an evil witch with a freezing power, couldn't she just use it and then not use it, like use it on a whole room except for Patty? But... I mean, no freezing's an area of effect spell. I don't think you can control it that finely. Mm. But it's not working because it turns out only one version of you can have powers in a given timeline. I guess that, that makes, sense. makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. So Piper's just waving her hands around all willy nilly, and Prue's trying to use her powers. So she's just like glaring at all of the different items on the uh, table, mm-hmm. and Patty's like. You know, I'm I'm working a service industry job in the 70s. I've seen weirder stuff. Yeah. She's like, I'll go get your prunes. And Piper shouts out, wait, you're pregnant. Yeah. Okay. And then they try to be like, instead of just explaining what's going on, they're like, we're actually your distant cousins and we know that you're pregnant. And Patty's like, okay, not only am I, am I not pregnant, I'm infertile. So, uh, no. 
I don't get why this is a part of the episode. Why did she think she was infertile? She had two kids. Did Piper just, like, wreck everything on the way out? (laughs) (laughs) You should have seen the way my second kid shot out of me. Trust me. Nothing else is growing in there. I want to be the baby. (laughs) But this just... I mean, okay, okay, but to be fair, we have a child and I am infertile. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. It's just a weird card to play here. Well, what did they think was going to happen... If they knew she was pregnant, especially because the whole thing is they don't want her to think that they're warlocks. I feel like random strangers knowing you're pregnant, those are more likely to be warlocks who are trying to steal your children than less. Also, why even bother with the whole we're your cousins thing? We're your cousins and that's how we know you. That's how come we know you're pregnant. That doesn't even make sense. All right. (laughs) So Patty skadoodles out of there logically. Well, yeah, of course. I'm assuming she's not going to have this job after today. Yeah. Piper and Prue figure out, oh, wait, our kid selves have powers, therefore we don't have powers, which, yeah, tracks. And... Patty goes to take a call from her mom, her mom called the diner, mm-hmm. to be like, hey, um, remember how you said you saw three warlocks and I told you that you were full of it? Well, guess what? Three warlocks should have tried to steal the kids. And Patty's like... Oh no, these two women are obviously two of the three warlocks because people are able to separate themselves temporarily. And then she has a weird meet-cute with Phoebe. Yeah, you're right, this is kind of done like a romance, it's weird. Yeah, because she's digging through her purse to find her car keys. And she crashes into Phoebe and drops her purse and then they're both like picking things up and... God, you know what? They look a lot alike. Yeah, I... I know we talked before about how kind of reverent the show is towards their mother and how she has this, like, angelic martyr thing going on. Mm -hmm. And this actress is freaking beautiful. She is. But she also does look a lot like Alyssa Milano, which, you know, tracks Alyssa Milano is also beautiful, and Holly Marie Combs. They did a really good job casting this actress because she looks like she could conceivably be their mom if not older sister mm-hmm. because you know they're around the same age right she i mean she doesn't look at all like shannon doherty but also shannon doherty doesn't look anything like the other two so that's why they got rid of her yeah but yeah just seeing Alyssa milano and this actress one right next to each other like they look a, a lot alike yeah so one of the things that she has in her purse is saltine crackers because she has an upset stomach for some reason. Mm. Yeah. And then the warlock shows up. Yes, as, as... As a cop. As Phoebe is helping her mom to her feet, Nicholas shows up dressed as, I guess he apparently is a cop. So, you know, ACAD. Or A-CAN. A-CAW. All cops are where... A-CAW. All cops are warlocks. Oh, yeah, I was going to say a cat, all cops are demons, but I guess he is a warlock and not a demon. Yeah, he's a warlock. So I love how Phoebe runs into him, knocks his car keys out of his hand, picks them up, and then just throws them really hard. Yeah, so he can't, like, follow in the car. And then she runs into the diner and, like, grabs her sisters and is like, oh, the warlock's here. And you know, the three of them run out the back door of the diner. 
and run past my nomination for MVP extra in this episode. Is it is it budget Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, that is what he is. There is this like seventies looking guy sitting at the counter in like a bright red top with like these checkerboard patterned pants. And he looks he's he looks very stoned. And he looks like this whole hubbub is happening around him and he's just like, Hey man. Whoa. Yes. Yes, this is this is also my MVP extra of the episode. I noticed him earlier. <laughs> but a- it wasn't until I saw those pants that I'm like, okay, this guy. That's what cinched it for you? Yeah. Those are those are some excellent, excellent pants. So Nicholas is all honked off because his prey has escaped him. Oh no. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that the Hollowell Mansion is not exactly the witchiest looking house in their neighborhood. Well, the Hollowell Manor is a craftsman home. That's a there's lots of craftsman homes around. Yeah, but as uh, Phoebe, Piper, and Prue are wandering around the neighborhood, being aggressively ADR'd. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably shot this outside. It's probably a pain. Yeah. But there's a there's a house that's like two houses down from the manor. It has like turrets and like this... lattice work. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a really witchy looking house to not be the house the Hallowells live in. Yeah. I wonder if the people who live in that house keep getting murdered by demons because the demons just miss. Oh, no. Oh, I was thinking they get murdered by demons who then take over the house so that they can keep an eye on the charmed ones. Oh, I just assumed that they'd be like, hmm, what house in this neighborhood would witches live in? That one. Oh, okay. But I mean, I could also see. It's interesting because I know you haven't watched season two, but that actually reminds me of another 70-themed thing that happens in season two of What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, so, the girls break back into the manor because I guess Grams doesn't really put up. Pro- well, I guess the protections wouldn't work against them. Right? Yeah. But they've decided since they didn't have powers, they are. Uh... They're gonna kidnap their child selves and train them to fight Nicholas. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry. Who are they? Charles Xavier. Speaking of the X Men. <laughs> yes. So. Also, Grams is not doing a great job keeping an eye on the girls, considering the fact that they were just kidnapped. Well, I mean, they weren't kidnapped, but there were people in the house that they thought were going to kidnap them, yeah. Almost kidnapped them. You should definitely have your eye on them. But instead, she's yelling at Patty. They're having an argument about, you know, how they should handle this new warlock situation. Yeah, they're talking about whether or not they should bind the girls' powers. Yeah, because, you know, warlocks abducting them, trying to get their powers. And Patty has decided that she's going to meet up with Victor. Victor has called her, and she's going to go meet up with him. And Grams is like, do you think maybe now's not the best time, what with the warlocks trying to kidnap your daughters and all? She's like, what good do you think Durwood is going to be? Hmm. Which, to be fair, they're separated for a reason. Is this- The reason is that Grams kicked him out ish well and and also the whole thing with sam yeah so do, do you think patty's sleeping with sam at this point already if she and victor are already at least quasi separated um maybe probably not though because there's no question of phoebe's parentage hmm. 
Also, very much not in this episode, Sam. Yeah, well, he he, he probably figured it'd be awkward with the whole divorce thing. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I'd like to see a whole show that's just white lighter HR. <laughs> so, as, as Grams and Patty are having this argument, I love how Grams is like, you were never that serious about Victor. You never even took his last name. And Patty's like, you wouldn't let me take him his last name. And Grimms is like, well, you didn't fight very hard. <laughs> also, she says, if husbands were supposed to stick around, they would live longer. Oof. How many of Grimms' husbands do you think she killed? Uh, how many has she had? What, what is it, like six? Six, seven? then. <laughs> well, we know the first one got killed by, like, an acid demon in the 60s. The kind that melts you, not the kind that makes you hallucinate. Sure, sure. So, while this conversation is going on, the... Big girls are trying to kidnap the little girls to teach them how to use their powers against Nicholas. Well, they're trying to convince them that, you know, who they are. And they do the logical thing, they say who they are, and then they prove it by knowing things that only Prue and Piper would know. Such as Piper's secret drawer. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a secret panel inside the the, the uh, secretariat. God, it's weird secretariat. So, uh, it got so overtaken by the horse. Yes. Well, that, that's what the horse did. Yes. So, Prue, baby Prue trusts them instantly. Baby Piper does not and freezes them. Well, she freezes adult Prue and adult Piper. And then adult Phoebe comes into the room and she's like... Not just not just them. Also, baby Andy, who's come in, dressed like a cowboy and shooting off his toy cap guns. So, yes. Apparently, Andy has also time-traveled here from the 40s to play with him. <laughs> also, we saw T.W. King in the uh, title sequences, but not, you know... Yeah, he's not in this episode. So, I guess they had to keep him in the episode somehow. Uh... Phoebe convinces baby uh, Piper to unfreeze everyone. And then adult Piper picks up baby Piper and has her refreeze baby Andy. Yeah. Also, apparently they've known Andy since they were kids. We knew that, I think. Yeah, because he lived next door. He's always lived next door to them. Has that been mentioned up to this point? Oh, yeah. Like the first time we met him, we knew that. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a... I don't think this speaks well to Andy. So, first of all, when I was first watching this episode, I was like, so Andy has been seeing suspicious stuff since he was a child. Why hasn't he put it together? But then we see Graham's alter his memory. So it's like, oh, that's why Andy can't figure it out. Graham's destroyed his brain. Fair. Yes, because as soon as uh, Big Piper has Little Piper freeze Andy and they all skedaddle, Grams enters the room. She sees Frozen Andy, and she's like, "Up, oh, Piper froze. Piper froze you again. Poor baby Andy. Looks like it's another trip into Grams's brainwashing machine for you." Yep. And then she uses her powers to unfreeze him. I guess it's not out of the yeah, realm of possibility. And she's like, "Andy, where did the girls go?" And he's like, "I think those giant, strange ladies took them." Yep. Yep. So the Charmed Ones have stolen the miniature Charmed Ones. Take and also and also Patty's car, and they've taken off to go to a park where 
they can show the girls how to freeze things and move things with their powers. And we see them do it once, and then Prue sends them off to practice it because it becomes clear that these girls are a lot better at their powers than the adult versions of them are. And they have this really interesting conversation about how the younger versions of themselves have technically had their powers for longer, and that's why they're better at them. Uh Uh-huh. Which I think is just a really interesting concept. Like, these girls are much younger, but they've had their powers from birth, so they they have control. Like, Kid Piper can freeze just the ball. And she can freeze and unfreeze things pretty consistently, which Adult Piper still doesn't have down yet. So, Phoebe... Has another sad about her mother. She's kind of pitching, hey, like, we're here to change time anyway by stopping Nicholas. What if we just kind of slip mom a note telling her not to drown? Why does everyone always have such a hard-on for preserving the timeline? No, I know why, because you don't know what you're going to come back to, whatever. Eh. Eh. Well, okay, to be fair, this is pre-2020. I mean... 2020 you go back in time you're not gonna worry about messing up the timeline yeah pre-2016 yeah someone needs to go get that sports almanac yeah so patty arrives at victor's apartment except want want victor's not there okay i don't know what she thought was gonna I, i don't know what help she thought victor was gonna be well it's weird because like victor just called and was like hey do you want to reconcile i'd be up for reconciling And she's like, oh, okay, sure, warlocks are trying to abduct our kids right now, but I have time to go meet with my ex-husband. Well, I assumed that the reason she went over to see him was because they'd been abducted, and she was like, we need to figure this out. No, they, she left, she left before. Oh, right. What, what are you doing, Patty? What are you doing? Spend some time with your kids when warlocks are trying to abduct them. Don't go, go fluting off with your uh, ex-husband. I do like. We kind of skipped over it during her conversation with Grams about how she was leaving to go talk to Victor. Grams was like, if you leave me alone with the girls, I'm going to teach them more spells. And Patty's like, you know, ordinary grandmothers just make cookies with their grandchildren. And Grams is like, darling, the things that I teach the girls hold far more significance than mere cookies. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, I'm really surprised Grams kept the girl's powers bound for as long as she did. Although, I... This episode implies that she was keeping them bound until she figured out how to fix this particular thing. Even though we know later that that's not why they got bound. Yeah, and, I mean... There's a really, really good episode later where we follow Grams, like, right before she dies. Where she decides to keep their powers bound forever. She Mm -hmm. decides to do something to make it permanent. And she has a heart attack before she can, you know, finalize the spell. God, it's weird because she shows up so often in the show, but I wish we got more with Grams. Especially stuff with Grams post-Patty's death. Yeah. She's this really kind of, honestly, morally gray character. And the narrative doesn't really do a lot with that outside of her showing up to have, like, wacky ghost you know shenanigans every so often i mean is this a running theme in our podcast where we just want the show to be focusing on something else other than what it's focusing on yes yes it is so it turns out that it wasn't victor who called patty at all yes it was nicholas and he's 
going to kill her and take her powers. First, he handcuffs her because she needs to move her hands around to use her powers. Smart. And also, I like that. We saw that earlier. Yeah. In a, in a previous episode. But his warlock senses are telling him that she's pregnant. And, you know, he wants that sweet, sweet baby power, too. Yeah, because that's what everybody wants. Premonition. God. Now I have the power of a full-grown woman and a tiny little baby. Yes. Although, to be fair, he also realized that the fact that she's pregnant with this child means that this these are the charmed ones. Yes. And she's like, but I thought I couldn't have children outside of the two children I've already had. There could be something. No, there could be something. It's just such a weird non-plot point. Yeah. That she's like, I never thought I'd have children outside of the two children I have. What? Well, I mean, they needed to give an explanation for why she would have morning sickness and premonition powers and not assume she was pregnant. But I feel like there's not really a good reason for her not to just assume she's pregnant. That's fair. That's fair. Like, I don't think it adds anything to the narrative, really. You're right. This episode would be exactly the same if she knew she was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So... Although the fact that these are the charmed ones are, it's apparently a really big deal. She's like, me? The mother of the charmed ones? Well, we'll see that again in a couple of scenes. Yes. Yes. So she makes a deal with, she makes the deal with Nicholas. Yeah. Nicholas is like, look, I could kill you right now and get your powers and then kill the old woman and then kill, you know, your two kids and get those powers. But if I wait until, you know your daughters are all fully grown, then I can just have the Charmed One's power, which is better. Yep, so he makes a deal with her where he won't kill her, and... Although, honestly, the girls seem like they have their full powers now, including, apparently, Fetus Phoebe. So, couldn't he just kill them now when they were children? It would be easier and he'd get the same powers? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. He's got the ring now. <laughs> yes, he takes the ring out and he's like... I need you and Grams to bless this ring to protect me from the Charmed One's power so that when they are adults and they get their powers, which they have currently, then I can take them from them. Yeah. Okay, this episode might not make a lot of sense if you look at it too hard. Well, the thing that they used to get the girls back in time doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it was cool to send them back in time, so... It's a cool episode if you don't look at it too hard, which is too bad because that's what we're doing. It's kind of our, it's kind of our thing. So, meanwhile, the girls are in jail for kidnapping because, you know... Because they kidnapped themselves? Because they kidnapped themselves and, you know, scrying is... It's weird because scrying hasn't really shown up in the uh, show up to this point. We, we've seen them using it. We've, we've seen them use scrying. I don't think we have. Huh. Well, yeah, scrying is a thing. Scrying is a thing, and it's going to be a thing for the rest of Charmed, which is why it's a really, really bad idea to steal something, like cars or children, from a witch. Because apparently Graham's just, like, used scrying to find out where they would be and then sent the cops to arrest them. Well, I mean, they they had to do something. It's interesting that Graham's didn't just take care of this herself. Yeah, why would she call cops? By the way, the girls are in a cell, and in the cell behind them are these two women in, like, full-on discotheque nightclub clothes. So, somebody had an interesting night. Yeah. Or midday. Right? So. I just, I love that 
whoever was doing costuming this episode was like, well, it's the 70s, so everyone needs to be in full-on disco regalia constantly, no matter what this rest of the scene is. Everyone needs to dress like a grotesque parody of whatever decade it is. Everybody needs to be wearing an outfit that they bought at Party City called 70s Guy or 70s Gal. Although, honestly, this is head and shoulders above the uh, 60s stuff we see later. Because at least this looks like stuff you could legitimately buy in that decade. Like... It doesn't look as cheap dime Halloween store as the stuff we get later. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. I'm just going to show you an image that you're going to see later in our other podcast. Welcome to the Uncharted Territories, our Farscape podcast. So I'm just going to show you this image. Okay. Oh, God. That's a lot of look. Yep. Yep. I, I just showed him the Aronson and her 70s Party City outfit. God. So the girls are bemoaning their fate in jail. Prue points out that they don't have IDs in this time period. And, you know, the trial is going to be interesting. And Piper's like, Prue, we're in jail in the past. And Shannon Doherty has what has to be one of my favorite lines in this episode, which is, I know, Piper, I've been following. (laughs) That was a good line. It was a good line. I think it's interesting because also we're going to get, um, we're going to get Phoebe in jail in the future later in yeah. Morality Bites. Phoebe does not have good luck not being in jail in different time periods. Yep, yep. So Phoebe's still on the, like, yeah, we're in jail, whatever. But the important thing is that we should leave Mom a note about how she should try not to drown. Yes. Speaking of, Patty shows up and is like, okay, turns out I'm pregnant. What's going on? And they finally, finally decide to use their words. Yes. And and Patty bails them out of jail, which is okay. Yeah. Seems weird, but fine. I just feel like I just feel like the cops would have a lot of follow-up questions. <laughs> and the girls kind of are debriefing Patty with what the dealio is. And they're like, Did you tell Grams that you were doing this? And She Pat- has not told Grams. Does not seem wise. Well, she's gonna she's gonna bring them home. To, to explain things to Grams. And she has the moment where she's like, recognizes that they're her daughters and she's like overwhelmed with love at how beautiful and amazing they've turned out. She says, you're all more beautiful than I could have imagined, which seems a little mean. It's one of those things that it sounds nice, but it's like, like looking at your child selves, I never thought you'd grow up to be hot. It's like the ugly duckling story. Like, if you tell a kid the ugly duckling story, you're basically just telling the kid that, sure, you're ugly now, but maybe one day you won't be. Right. Also, when Phoebe tells her her name, she's like, oh, I named you after my very favorite aunt. Three daughters in. Yes. I I do have to say, just throwing this out there, I I know that the story of the ugly duckling sounds like a backhanded compliment, but... The point of the ugly duckling is that you're not ugly. You're just hanging out with the wrong people, like, who don't recognize your value. Mm. Because you're not an ugly duckling. It's The ugly duckling doesn't turn into a beautiful swan. The ugly duckling is always a beautiful swan. It's just that it's being judged by duck standards. Also... I, I think you're forgetting the episode of Once Upon a Time about how Emma got her last name. Where August said that he thought the story was about a duckling that believed in itself so hard it became a swan. (laughs) Oh yeah, August knows what's up. 
Also, the real moral of the Ugly Duckling story is, when you grow up, you'll have wings that can break a human's arm, and you will make them all pay. Yeah, swans are mean, vicious animals. So, anyway, Patty's very choked up about the fact that her daughters grow up to be such attractive young women, and she explains that... Oh, the thing they went back in time to uh, stop kind of already happened. What? She has an as-you-know moment where she's like, I thought I was going to see Victor, your father, but it turned out to be Nicholas, the demon warlock. Yeah. She also tells them, she's like, it's no big deal. You're my daughters and I love you. We'll just take away your powers and then there's nothing for him to steal. Problem solved. And the girls are like, no, that's not a, no. No, that's a terrible solution, Patty. I feel like you and Grams could probably take this guy if you work together. Well, I, I would like to compare this to another high concept episode mm-hmm. of a different television show. Because the thing is, because the thing is, how hard is it to defeat a musical theater demon? I don't know. I think it would be harder to defeat a musical theater demon. Really? Yeah. Okay, because... They're virtually immune to criticism. (laughs) Literally, Buffy throws out the line, I know I can't defeat you. Like, why? Because she doesn't want to. Okay, I guess that's true. I mean, the point that I was making is, when you have a high concept episode, like the musical episode of Buffy or the time travel episode of Charmed... You just, you just roll with, we can't just beat this guy up. Because otherwise, there would be no high concept episode. They would have just beaten him up back in the manor. And we'd have all gone on with our lives without any time travel shenanigans wherein they meet their dead mother. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really help their case that Phoebe basically took him out by lightly kicking him in the back of the knee. There was like a tap. Like the tiniest little tap. They should have just gone all end of death proof on him. Like, haha, this ring makes me immune to your powers. Does it make you immune to getting the crap kicked out of you? Right? Apparently not. And then they could have taken the ring. Yeah. Just hold him down, beat him up, take his ring. There you go. Problem solved. So Patty takes the girls home and they start getting grilled by Grams. I love Grams so much in this scene. She asks them how many husbands she's had. Actually, she, she asks, what was my husband's name? And Prue says, which one? But she says it all like, Arch. (laughs) And who's Melinda Warren? What's the secret ingredient in my blueberry cobbler? Okay, I love that because when she asks what was the secret ingredient in my cobbler, it is Piper who answers. Because remember, Piper's the one that she taught to cook and that became like her whole big thing. Yeah, this episode being better at continuity. That's one of the things she bonded with uh, Mark Yes. John Cho over in the uh, ghost episode. Yeah. So it's kind of sort of a neat callback to that, that Piper's the one. I mean, I guess it makes sense that Piper's the chef, but the show seems to have trouble remembering that Piper's the chef, so. Yeah, no, sometimes she manages the restaurant, sometimes she owns a nightclub, whatever. And this, yeah, I was about to say this pre-P3. Yeah. But uh, Gramps' last question is, what's IBM selling at in your time? Honestly, okay, they're... Patty swoops in and is all like, no, mom, that's personal gain. But really, they could have done her a huge favor right now and been like, sell IBM, buy Apple, hold on to it forever. And 
I just, I love Grams here because Patty's like, that's personal gain. And Grams is like, well, maybe if they just nodded their heads a little bit. And Patty's like, Mom! Also, how does Patty have the moral code she has given who Grams is? Also, Grams... I think she was probably parent. I think she was probably parentified a lot. Oh, I I could definitely see that. I mean, I love Grams, but she would not make a good mother. Grant. I mean, Grams literally talks about it in later episodes just using magic on the girls when she didn't feel like dealing with them. Yeah. So uh, speaking of what a bad mother should be, she's like, I always knew my daughters would be the charmed ones, and Patty's like, Hello, still alive for now. And Grams is like, My daughters once removed which jesus christ grams right so they all land on the whole like okay i guess we have to strip the powers from the girls so nicholas won't attack them until they're adults and uh ready which really doesn't seem like the best plan but fine well then grams is like wait why would I have given you your powers back before I fixed the ring issue? Oh. Oh, I must be dead. I guess I don't make it to the next millennium. Which... Just be glad. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that too much, Grams. Grams missed 9-11. Yes, she did. We need to keep an eye out. When we were doing our Sabrina the Teenage Witch rewatch not too long ago there's a bunch of not very subtle things you notice on shows like this where they acknowledge 9-11 happened without acknowledging that 9-11 happened well i mean friends is a big one yeah friends which iconically takes place in new york but i mean it's not like they could acknowledge like what would they do what could they do yeah but you start noticing stuff like oh, look, suddenly Joey is always wearing a New York firefighter t-shirt and, like, there's a never-forget thing on the whiteboard. Yeah, you can see after 9-11 happens, they, at least one character is wearing an American flag thing in every episode. I mean, that was an aggressive thing with Sabrina. We noticed how, like... Oh, my gosh, yeah. Suddenly flag-draped Sabrina the Teenage Witch was, and we were like, what? Oh, this takes place in 2001. Because it, it's not subtle, but I'm, I'm not saying anyone forgot about 9-11 or anything. It's just we're kind of removed enough from it so that we don't remember how pervasive it was. Well, I think what we've forgotten is what it was like before, to be honest with you. Point. Yeah. So I, I just looked up uh, airing dates. Mm-hmm. And... September 11 happened between seasons three and four of airing. Uh, yeah, I guess there's not really a good way they could have acknowledged that. So the show, after, the show was off for the summer and it didn't come back until October. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Like, it was in between the seasons where they lost Shannon Doherty and Constance M. Burge. So the show was radically different before and after regardless of what happened in the rest of the world. So I feel like it's going to be hard to pinpoint if they actually changed anything within the show, but we'll... Yes. Yeah. So as Grams is realizing that, whoops, she's dead in their time, Phoebe's like, speaking of that, hey, mom! And Grams is like, eh, 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 
No spoilers. Although I feel like just Phoebe saying, speaking of that, hey, mom, should be kind of a heads up there. Right. And Grams explains, you know, how time travel works, since I guess Back to the Future was fresher and everyone. No, Back to the Future hadn't happened yet, had it? Yes, Back to the Future had happened. I thought it was an 80s movie. This is. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant when the show was airing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Grams has not seen Back to the Future. She just knows how time travel works. Yeah. She's like, look, if you're not going to give me stock tips, then you need to shut up because you've already probably damaged the time stream beyond the telling of it. Just, you know. Well, so what's interesting is there's a lot of different ways that time travel is represented. Mm-hmm. And there's like a butterfly effect time travel philosophy where any change you make has this massive ripple effect so you know stepping on a butterfly changes everything literally changes everything but in jj abrams shows Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if he's the first one to do it but he's the one where i feel like it's the most apparent is it the river thing yeah a river always leads to sea. you can change the course of the river but its end destination is always the same and also you know time has a shape right like destiny has a shape and it will try to reforge itself into that shape so you can't really mess up too much when you travel through time Hmm. and grams does actually tell them that it's hard to change yeah so so we know that this is this is a jj abrams time travel universe and not a butterfly effect time travel universe Good, Until cause... we get to Chris. Ugh, Chris. Although, I should save it for Chris, but the fact that when we see future Chris after the death of initial future Chris, the fact that he has old future Chris's memories sometimes is weird. Okay, you know, I love time travel stories. I will have a lot to say when we deal with Chris. Yes. Although I do kind of like the idea, again, this is so far off, I do like the idea that him going back in time is sort of a fixed point. So when they stopped the Greek, uh, when they stopped the Titans from destroying the world, which was the initial reason he went back in time, he was still going back in time, but the reason just shifted so that Mm -hmm. he would still have gone back in time. Yes, I do like that. Honestly, that might be the explanation for why nothing about Chris makes sense. Because it's a fixed point in time. Yeah, he yeah. had to go back in time, but everything around it was fluid, so. So, okay. The plan now, for in this time period... I guess Patty was the one who just, like, just Patty was the one who blessed the ring. To... Yes. And the plan now is for them to steal the ring back, for Patty to unbless it... And then give it back to him so he doesn't know that it's been unblessed. And then when they go back to their time period, he will no longer be immune to their powers and they can kill him as much as they want. It's not a bad plan. I mean, it's not the best plan. If they have, if they unblessed the ring already, why not just kill him then? Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think something about the pact that patty made had kind of like an unbreakable vow quality to it. Hmm. So I think she can't just go against it. I think. They have to get around it. So, also, I'm sure he won't suspect that they've done anything with the ring that disappeared and then reappeared. Well, I mean, the idea is to take it and then get it back before he notices that it's gone. Mm. So, 
the girls break into his hotel room. Phoebe knows how because I don't know if you know this, but... uh, She used to live in New York. She used to live in New York. And apparently part of living in New York is learning how to spring the locks on hotel doors. Actually, can I talk about how much Phoebe is a Weasley here? One of the Weasley twins? Remember in... uh, Second book. They know how to pick locks the the muggle way. Hmm. Uh, I just... I like that Phoebe by not having an active power, just has to learn how to do things. And in that way is kind of a lot more effective than other people. Yeah. So they bring the ring to the attic and... As everyone's distracted with unblessing it, Phoebe writes a note to her mom telling her the exact date she dies, February 30th. 28th. I was making a joke because... There is no February 30th? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes, she leaves the note for her mom that says, Hey... Don't drown on this day. And then she sticks it in the Book of Shadows directly next to the truth spell, which I'm sure it was just a random page that they had already in. uh, Yeah. I'm sure there is no deeper meaning to that. I don't think so. But uh, everyone's, you know, having their Wizard of Oz goodbyes. And Phoebe has a nice moment with her mom because she actually got to meet her mom and form some memories with her, even though, you know... I mean, I love her interaction with Grams, where Grams is like, you're going to be a huge pain in my ass, aren't you? And Phoebe's like, you learn to love me. I also love how earlier, we kind of skipped over it, but earlier when Grams was, uh, right after Grams accepted that these were in fact the girls from the future, uh, she finds out Phoebe's name and she turns to, uh, she turns to Patty and she's like, Ugh, another P name? Like, you didn't you name your daughter Patty. You Penny. Well, I guess your mother started it. <laughs> or, or maybe her mother, I don't know. Well, we're assuming your mother since Penny and Phoebe. Since Phoebe is apparently named after Patty's favorite aunt. Oh, yeah. So, who, yeah, it was started quite a while ago. Yeah. So they try sending them forward in time, except, whoa-oh, only having two witches meant that they only sent them about 20 seconds forward in time. That's hilarious. It is. So they're going to need the power of the Charmed Ones, which turns out, conveniently, they have, because they've got the two little girls, and they've got the fetus inside of Patty. Yeah, so... Yeah. Charmed Ones, right? Really, there's no good reason for Nicholas not to just kill them all right now. Well, whatever. So... They do a scene where they bring up the the little girls, and they, they both put their hands on their mother's stomach, and they teach them the spell so that they can send everybody forward in time which you know they do nicholas shows up and he's all honked off because he knows they stole the ring oh yeah you're right he did realize that they stole the ring did they just hand it back to him and it's weird maybe he okay so we don't see exactly what happens right because the spell happens the girls get sent forward in time and then we don't know what happens in the past so maybe they you know let him overpower them and take back the ring. Mm. That's probably what happened. Yeah. I do love, like, he's he's breaking down the door and Phoebe just runs up and kicks him in the face. She's got that martial arts training now. She's, like, she's on it. But the little, uh, but the little charmed ones send the big charm ones forward in time. Phoebe takes a picture of, you know, Patty and the two girls the two girls holding on to Patty's stomach. Mm-hmm. Their first Charmed One spell ever. Yeah. The first Power of Three spell. Yeah. She takes it with a Polaroid. Literally the first Power of Three spell. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 
She takes her the Polaroid so that she can take the picture with her. Yes. And then they finish the spell and send them forward in time. Oh, also Phoebe grabbed the uh, thing out of the book. Yes. At the last moment, Phoebe realizes she can't change the future. So. And then Speaking we have this... of the future, or I guess the present. Yeah, we have this weird time bubble where in the past we have Nicholas running up the stairs. And then as the spell goes the time bubble envelops him and he's running back up the stairs again in the present. Yeah. That's just an artistic choice. It's fine. I like it. Yeah. It's fine. He runs into the attic and Prue telekinetically throws him into a plywood cabinet. Then Piper freezes him. They do a Nicholas must die spell, which apparently Grams wrote in. Yeah, they're like, they're like, what spell should we use? And then they find that, I guess, right after they left, Grams wrote in the spell to kill him. Okay, so I love this. Grams wrote a spell specifically to kill him. And I wish this was more of a thing in the rest of the show. She had a little pouch full of the ingredients necessary to make the spell work there, which isn't really a thing later. It's just like... Yeah, they don't... Usually they just need an incantation. Yes, but in this, there's also a, like, there's a little goblet that's full of ingredients. It's like one of those pre-made cookie things that you can buy at Trader Joe's, Mm -hmm. where it's just like a glass jar full of all of the ingredients you need to make cookies. Or like a knit kit for for a knitting project. So they just say the spell that's attached to the goblet, the goblet starts smoking, and Nicholas explodes. The spell apparently scatters his molecules across all of time. So it's pretty hardcore of Graham's. Grams goes hard. Yeah. That's what we learned. So we go back downstairs where Piper has put the flowers that Nicholas had brought them into water. Okay. Beca- okay. No, I like this because the sisters are like, um, isn't that creepy? Those were decoy flowers from a guy who was trying to kill us. And Piper's like, look, if we didn't accept decoy flowers from guys who were trying to kill us, we would never have flowers. There's kind of a nice decompression scene where... Phoebe admits that she wrote a note, but she just, she couldn't leave it behind because, you know, time has to happen the way time happens, and she's glad she got some time with their mom, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, it's nice that they got to have these moments with their mom. It's better to have had those moments and lost them. It's good that we finally found an actress to play mom when she, you know, comes back as a ghost later and for flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. Also, now Phoebe has the picture that she took in the past, and she's like has that to cherish of, you know, the four of them, including her, because she's inside of uh, yes. Patty's uterus. And uh, Prue's like, it's not really the most flattering picture of you and Alyssa Milano. So, like, I think it's the best picture I ever took lying through her teeth. <laughs> Alyssa Milano's like, there are enough flattering pictures of me. This one's meaningful. <laughs> so... That's it. Yeah, I feel like... We were harder on the episode than it deserved. This is genuinely, I think, one of the best episodes of Charmed. It is a good episode. Like, there are persnickety things that don't hold up to close scrutiny, but honestly... That's the, that's going to be the case with any time travel episode. Well, I think it's less about holding together and more about the emotions. Like, mm. this is an episode that is living off of its emotional connections and it does a really really good job i want to point out that the descriptor for this episode is wrong it says that the sisters go back in time to fight the demon that is responsible for their mother's death which 
is not at all what happens in this episode. Yeah, that that's the Netflix description. The Netflix description is flat out wrong. But I like this episode a lot. I, Me too. Me again, too. I think it's one of the strongest episodes Charmed ever did. I do. I do too. And you know, I keep mentioning Morality Bites as the generally accepted strongest episode of the series. Mm-hmm. But that one's not my favorite. So yeah, I think I actually like this one better than Morality Bites. Yeah, I... I understand why people think Morality Bites is the strongest episode of Charmed. It might be the strongest episode of Charmed, but I like maybe this like one. objectively. Objectively, but I think this is yeah. I like. I think I probably like this episode better. Mm-hmm. All right, so I believe that will bring us to our power of three. Ooh. So uh, let us access our power of premonition, where we look into the past present and future to see which actors in this episode are will or have been famous at some point or at least in other notable things well so obviously we have to talk about patty yes patty is played by finola hughes Hmm. who is okay here's what blew my mind okay i knew that she was a long-standing actress on general hospital Mm -hmm. what i did not know is that general hospital is still on (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, it's going to be on forever. I thought it, well, Days of Our Lives got canceled and Young and the Restless got canceled. Anyway, General Hospital's still on and she is on it and has been for years. Good for her. That's that's solid acting money right there. Oh, yeah. Well, also, she was she's a dancer. So she was in a bunch of dance movies. Most mm. notably, I think she was uh, she played opposite John Travolta and Staying Alive. Oh, yeah. The sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Uh. And as long as we're talking about like mother figures yeah on the tv show blossom oh my god is she blossom's dead mom no that would be so amazing right right i was so no she's she's blossom's stepmom in the later seasons yeah how amazing would that have been that would have been too perfect blossom the other charmed ones my myla bialik my um bialik yeah yeah so uh, is that her only premonition oh that's my only premonition yeah i've no one else stuck out at me. So that'll take us to our next segment, Time Freeze. Can we do Time Freeze for a uh, period piece episode? So we've mentioned Back to the Future a few times. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I find interesting about Back to the Future is that it's... By going back in time to the 1950s, it actually freezes in place the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So... You've got Marty McFly going into the diner when he goes back to the 1950s, and he's like, I'll have a Pepsi free. And the the soda jerk is like, what? And in the 80s, it's like, ha ha, they didn't have Pepsi free back in the 50s. And now you watch it, and it's like... What the hell's a Pepsi free? Right? Also, they, like, make fun of the outfit he's wearing because it looks ridiculous in the 50s, but it also looks ridiculous (laughs) in 2020. So it's... Of course it does. He's wearing a Marty McFly costume. Exactly. Well, I think we get kind of the same thing here in this episode. When the girls are in the attic, when they've first gone back in time, and they hear a phone ring, and they're like, wait, what is that? And watching the episode, I'm like, oh, it's because it's the sound of a rotary phone ringing. But when I first saw it, I was like, who's got a landline? But that wouldn't have been weird to the girls. They have landlines. I mean, honestly, my time freeze takes place in the present. It's the thing with them going through photo albums, which, 
you know, not so much a thing these days. But yes, I do like how I, I, I really like that idea that the idea that doing a period piece is also a period piece for when you're doing yeah. the period piece. And I guess that will take us to our last segment, telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode? Which, I mean, I think we'll probably have the same thing. The last scene with the girls and the mom. Specifically Phoebe saying goodbye to her mom. Yeah. Yeah. This was kind of, uh, Prue wasn't really an emotional fulcrum as much as she tends to be. Well, the idea of Phoebe not having a mother was much more prominent. I mean, that that was really the emotional journey we go on this episode. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it, but Prue does have a bit where she talks to Piper about Phoebe and about how both of them do have some memories of their mom, but Phoebe doesn't. Yeah. Man, she must have died right before, like, right after giving birth to Paige. Yeah. Ugh. It's not a fun couple of years. No. So you want to talk about next? So, so next week's episode... Is the first official Dark Charmed Ones... Yes, next episode is When Bad Warlocks Go Good. And the Netflix description, which may turn out to just be completely wrong, Mm. is Prue tries to help Brendan, whose two brothers are evil warlocks, attempting to convert him and form the dangerous, evil charmed ones. Evil charmed ones. Shouldn't it just be the evil ones? I was going to say the damned ones. Ooh, that's much better. Oh, well. (laughs) What are you going to do? I remember that being a fine episode. I have some memories of it. It was sort of when they were still figuring out what the deal is with witches and demons in this show. Mm -hmm. But we'll get a few more anti-charmed ones throughout the course of the show, most notably Billy and her sister. Yes. They could not even afford a third one. But I gotta say, Billy's sister is kind of right. Yes, we will t- We'll get there Bi- in like five years. Billy's sister made some valid points t-shirts coming. Christy. Christy. Christy made some valid points. Because when you think of the ultimate evil, Christy. God. So that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, I guess that's it for us. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always review us on Apple Podcast. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about the show or any show, any episode of any show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I love TV zines on Twitter or I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Bye.